Welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I'm talking with Gail Clark, a Muhammad Seymour High School graduate. Uh, we may talk a little Muhammad sports, but I think primarily we're going to talk about uh, some things he has going on uh, in his life as a, a parent of uh, student athletes over at Mount Pulaski. Welcome, uh, Gail. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing, Fred? Very good. Hey, I did have one uh, Muhammad Seymour note to, to pass on to you before we get started. And, and I don't even know if you realize this or not, but I did some research. I, I tried to find, uh, I'm going by memory now, uh, but in the history of Muhammad football, there's been less than two dozen athletes that have ever been first team all conference, both offense and defense in the same year. And you're one of those in the early 90s as a quarterback and defensive back. So uh, you're in some, some pretty elite company there. <laughs> I, I actually did not know that. I mean, I knew I was all conference my senior year, but I did not know that there'd only been a handful of people who had had done that. I may not have even been the only player off of that team to have done that. I'm, I'm assuming there were a few more on my team that actually were both offense and defense, all conference first team. There might be. I, I was I was trying to look and, and find the sheet and I, I couldn't find it. So I'm just going by memory. But I, I do remember that uh, that your name was on there. So uh, and I think it was around 18 or 20. I don't know exactly, but uh, definitely fewer than uh, than two dozen. So uh, congratulations on that. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks. I didn't even know it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> well, so what the reason for talking to you today, uh, obviously, with with COVID-19 in, in the past year, uh, all kinds of sports and, and school and everything has just been thrown into a quandary. Um, give a little background in terms of, of what you and your wife, Michelle, did recently in terms of uh, taking a case to court uh, after your high school daughter who plays volleyball. Um, the opposing team had a player that came down with COVID, and then all of a sudden that affected your school because they had to quarantine for the contact. Talk a little bit about uh, kind of what, what took place there. Right. So it was a Monday a few weeks ago, and Mount Pulaski played hartsburg Emden in a volleyball match. And the next day we learned that one of Hardham's players was COVID positive. So the day went on, you know, we had like another hour in school and then we were informed that all of our volleyball players would be sent home because of being involved in this volleyball game. And this isn't the first time this has happened, obviously, where we've had students sent home from Mount Pulaski High School and it was like, oh, okay, um, we, we get it. We understand what's going on here. And it wasn't until I got home that night where I started to think about it. And my wife and I started to talk about it. We just came to the realization that our daughter had never been within six foot for 15 minutes of this opposing player. And we were able to then go back onto the um, NFHS TV system and rewatch the game. We literally rewatched the game. And I sat with a stopwatch and anytime the infected player came anywhere within the vicinity of one of our players, I just ran a stopwatch. And it ended up being that the infected player, she was only around our players a handful of times. And I didn't even get up to 10 seconds of cumulative time where she was within six feet of any of our players combined. And the kicker, Fred, was that she was actually never opposite my daughter at any time during the volleyball match in question. So, I mean, that, that's kind of a synopsis. We had um, seven girls in total that were sent to quarantine from a volleyball game. And for anybody that doesn't know the rules of, of volleyball in the COVID-19 era, the teams do not change sides of the floor. They do not change benches. 
There is no handshake uh, after the game. So, I mean, you are separated on both sides of the gym by the net, obviously. And the only interaction you have is at the net for those fleeting moments where somebody goes to hit a ball and there's a opposition player that jumps up the block. So it was very obvious that it would be impossible for anybody to fit the definition of a close contact under CDC rules and IDPH rules. That's, that's kind of a quick synopsis of how it all started. Well, and I, I think the kicker too, you said that uh, your school's uh, Libro was also quarantined. Of course, the, the Libro is a back row player that doesn't even get to the front row to, to begin with. Right. Um, yeah, every player that was on the floor for any amount of time, including the Libero, were, were sent to quarantine by the Logan County Health Department. Um, we had a few players that did not appear in the game. They never subbed in, so they weren't sent to quarantine. Neither was our coach. And you know how volleyball coaches are. They kind of stalk the sideline back and forth. So our coach was never contacted and, and asked to go to quarantine. It was just the players that appeared in the game in, um, in a sport that, quite frankly, would be impossible to have a close contact as defined by the health organizations. So what, uh, for you and your wife, what, what was the next step? What, what did you decide to do and, and why did you decide to, to go the route that you did? Well, as I tell everybody, my wife and I, Michelle, we we're conformers. Uh, we wear masks in public everywhere we go. We've, um, you know, altered our lives over the last year or so. There have been some family functions where those family functions didn't happen or we we cut back on the number of people that were, you know, around for Christmas or Easter or whatever it may be. Um, we're both also vaccinated. So just to kind of throw that out there, we are not people who are banging the drum that, you know, this isn't real or this is some kind of overblown hype. We're actually people that have conformed every step of the way. Um, I'm also a school teacher here at the high school in Mount Pulaski. My wife, um, if I yelled really loud right now, she would hear me because she's a science teacher down the hallway. Uh, every day we're enforcing mask rules here at our high school. We're saying, hey, you know, hey, Joey, pull your mask up. It's below your nose. So we're conformers. And that was really the first kind of conversation. It's like we've conformed every step of the way, but there's something in this volleyball situation that just isn't passing a common sense test. And that's kind of where it got rolling. Um, her and I decided that, you know, maybe this is a time to, to question and say, well, why are we doing this? So we actually started off the, the informal way. I sent an email over to the health officials at Logan County Department of Public Health and a couple IDPH officials. So I sent that email. Uh, the next day, I set up for a conference call with Logan County Department of Health officials and just wanted to talk about it. Um, everybody was very cordial. I mean, there was never any animosity in, in any of the conversations or any of the court proceedings for that matter. But they were adamant that they wanted to approach everything out of an abundance of caution. They wanted to keep the general welfare of the public safe. Um, you know, they responded with a lot of generalities, which while I can understand the plain English of the generalities, I'm looking at their guidelines and it's all over those guidelines, six feet, 15 minutes, six feet, 15 minutes. And 
you read that everywhere. And even here at the high school, my wife and I, in our conversations, were like, how many times has a school nurse came around to us and said, you know, there was a student in your class that tested positive for COVID. Have you had anybody within six feet for 15 minutes of that student, like in a group project or a lab or something? So this six foot 15 minute rule has been ingrained in our minds as educators. And I think in the general public's mind as well. And Michelle and I both came to the realization that, you know, this is going to be the fifth time that a team at Mount Pulaski has been sent to a quarantine. At what point does somebody step up and ask some just general questions about following the guidelines and about not straying from them? And that's all we did. That's all we did is we stepped up and asked those questions. And when we didn't get the answers we wanted, we did what is our right here in the United States. We went to the Logan County Circuit Court. We filed for an injunction to vacate my daughter's quarantine. We were hoping that it would apply to the rest of the players in the aftermath. But um, it ended up not applying to the rest of the players. My daughter's quarantine order was vacated by the Logan County judge. But the rest of the girls, um, they're actually quarantined today for the final day. So, I mean, that, that's just some general ideas that, you know, went in to the conversations that my wife and I had. And we decided that, you know, let's just go this route and see what a judge thinks. Um, does the county health department have to stick by their guidelines or are there other laws that maybe we don't know about? And on that front, we really received an education. We received, you know, a lot of knowledge about guidelines at a health department versus statute and Illinois law books. And how there is really this large swath of gray area that exists that I think most people, they're just not aware of. So your daughter was able to go back to school after I believe it was what, about 10 days um, by the time the, the decision was, was rendered, correct? Right. Um, the, the judge basically ended her quarantine after day 10. And the driver behind that decision was that the CDC actually allows for a 10-day symptom-free quarantine to be ended after day 10. It's an option that is on their options menu, so to speak. Here in Logan County, we have been extremely stringent on that front. The health department quarantines people for 14 days, period. And once again, in the situation in our gym, when they issued the quarantine order, it was one girl on the other side of the net that was COVID positive. And I just felt that was too stringent, um, especially when you know my daughter never exhibited symptoms, she never tested positive. I will say in full disclosure that Hartsburg-Emden, they did have a number of other girls exhibit symptoms and then test positive as the week went on it ended up resulting in our JV volleyball team being quarantined as well. Um, none of our girls ever had any symptoms and none of them have ever tested positive throughout the 14 days and that ends today. So while I'm sure it's possible that somebody could contract COVID-19 in a volleyball setting, it didn't happen here. And it ended up being that it was multiple girls that ended up being sick for the Hartsburg Emden team. And we didn't have anybody test positive or show symptoms on our side. No, I think one of the frustrating things is, you know, even though it ended after 10 days for your daughter, it, it really didn't help the team because the rest of the team 
uh, had to continue setting up through the 14 days. So I, I imagine they, how, how many matches did they wind up missing in all during that time? I'm not sure. I'd have to go back to the schedule and count. I think we've played a total of three or four matches. Now, kind of going back to the beginning of the volleyball season, we had a number of games wiped out because in our last girls basketball game, where you have some of the same athletes competing, we had a player from Athens High School, a girls basketball opponent, test positive, and it threw some of these same girls into quarantine for that as well. So those, those girls, they went to quarantine for those 14 days resulting from the girls basketball situation. They literally came back to school for one day before this quarantine triggered. So we've had some of our volleyball players be in quarantine for 28 out of the last 30 days. And um, I haven't seen any of them in class. They're remote. But yeah, we've had, um, I think we played three or four volleyball matches. We've played one match at full strength with our full roster. Uh, the other three games I, we played, we played with who we had left is what we did. And here recently, obviously, we haven't played at all. Um, my push was not to get us back on a volleyball floor. That really wasn't the main idea to my mind. Uh, Michelle and I knew by the time we got this all figured out with the health department and then with the circuit court that the quarantine period would basically almost have elapsed anyways. But we're looking down the road to the next time this happens. And we understand the health officials, they, they have a complicated job. I mean, we told them that over and over that we respect them and we understand that they have a job to do. But there has to be some kind of logic placed into it. It can't just be blanket 14-day quarantine orders for everybody in every circumstance. Because the volleyball one, quite frankly, um, when they issued the order because one girl had tested positive on the other team, it just didn't make any logical sense to me. And I, I was hoping that something would change. And you're right, Fred, the other girls were not allowed out of quarantine. Um, Originally, we had a number of other families that were going to have their names on that lawsuit with us. And we ended up just taking those names off. And my wife and I ended up being the only names on, not because the other parents necessarily wanted off. We were just thinking for scheduling purposes, if we had 10 families on the same lawsuit, that's 10 families that have to meet with an attorney, 10 families that have to go up to the circuit court. We were like, how is that logistically ever going to work out in schedules? So, you know, we were, a, we were a little bit amateur on how we went about it, I think. But in the end, since my daughter's name was the only one on the actual court order, she was allowed to come back to school, but the health department would not rescind the other remaining girls' quarantine orders at the same time. They stuck by their guns, so to speak, and said, well, it's only the Clark girl that has her name on the order, so she's out but the rest of them have to remain in quarantine, which once again, to me personally, doesn't pass any kind of a common sense test because they were all in quarantine for the exact same quote unquote close contact situation. So, I mean, we've got, we've got some stubbornness maybe, and I'm hoping in the end, we just, we get back to using some logical common sense um, it, we shouldn't have a one-size-fit-all situation with these quarantines. Well, that, that's the thing right there is, is the fact that there are some points that are open to interpretation. It's not like 
every county in the state is enforcing it and doing it the exact same way. And so I think that that is what frustrates a lot of people because they'll see, well, you know, down in Southern Illinois, they're doing this up in Chicago suburbs they are doing this and not Pulaski, they're doing this. And it's, and it's sometimes there's some carryover and it's the same, but it's not always the same. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest frustrations, isn't it? I think it adds to it, but I also remember when everybody was frustrated in the beginning when Governor Pritzker did the same rules for everybody in the state and everybody was frustrated then saying, well, you can't do it like that. Everybody should be allowed to make their own decisions. So I think there's just a lot of frustration all the way around. We were frustrated when everybody was lumped together with these decisions. And now we have 102 counties and everybody's frustrated that we're all doing something different. And you mentioned Cook County. And I do know that Cook County, they have a 10 day, no symptoms, you're out of quarantine. And Fred, you may remember, um, you, you mentioned my 1991 football team. Do you remember Jeff Wilms? He played linebacker and center. Sure. His, uh, his son is, uh, I think, a junior in high school. He was part of Lamont's state championship wrestling team last year. And he plays football. Well, Lamont's not playing football anymore. They've been shut down because a side judge referee tested positive after one of their games, a side judge. And it was the side judge on the opposite side of the Lamont sideline. So his son went to quarantine because a referee that was literally 54 yards on the other side of the sideline tested positive. And th through talking with Jeff, I, I understand that Cook County has a 10 day quarantine for those football players. So in Cook County, which is obviously a huge population center, the health department there give those student athletes a 10 day quarantine. We have 33,000 people in Logan County and we have the most stringent quarantine at 14 days. Now maybe our, our statistics are different than Cook County when it comes to spread and whatnot, but from what I can look at on the plain statistics, I don't, I don't see any like unbelievably high rates or seven day rolling averages, but you're right, you know, 10 days in Cook County, you're out 14 days in Logan County. And then you've got some schools in Southern Illinois that have just said, we're going to go to full attendance for basketball, football games. People can come in, they can do what they want. And they've got local health departments and state's attorneys that are behind them on that. So, yeah, frustrated that the rules are different when you pass across the county line. Yeah, I mean, I think people are there. But I also recognize people were upset and frustrated when we were all lumped together. So I think we're going to be frustrated however we cut it when it comes to COVID-19 regulations. Talk a little bit about your, your daughter's state of mind through all this. I mean, uh, you know, not just during the, the volleyball season right now, but during the, the past year. I mean, what effect has this had on her mentally to, you know, last year be shut down in the spring and then basically the summer and fall and, and then now... Uh, you know, to start the volleyball season quarantined and, and now, you know, another another 10 days. I mean, what, what is, effect is this having? Right. I should have had Cassidy just sit in here with me. She's she's down right now at the junior high track practice teaching sixth, seventh and eighth graders how to throw the discus. That's that's her main sport is discus and shot put. Um, she's 17. She's a junior. Um, the one thing she said over and over in conversations with me and her mom, Michelle, is that so much is being taken away from these students. Um, homecomings, proms, um, Friday night football, you know, it's been altered. We don't have football, but you know, that's been altered. She's saying, you know, the memories that 
I talk about from high school or that her mom talks about from high school, you know, we got to experience that. And she's just lamented the idea that none of this is normal and none of it is creating the memories like what, what we talk about from having these great high school days. She's also, I know, Fred, very frustrated that it seems like students do not have a voice in any of this. If student athletes get sent to quarantine for 14 days, student athletes that are being told that their, their season can't go on. You've got juniors and seniors being told that we can't have a prom for you. We've got all these rules and regulations and we got some schools that are still remote. They don't even have school um, building hours. They don't even have students in the building. She has over and over just been frustrated with the fact that adults are making these decisions and you got 17, 18 year old students that are totally left out of the decision making and don't have a voice. And that's what she's been the most frustrated about is this idea that memories and whatnot has been taken away from the student and they really haven't had any say. She's also over and over said, we follow all the rules. We wear our masks, we keep distanced, we do this, we do that. And they shut us down and send us to quarantine anyways. And as a parent, I just, I agree with her. I say, you know, I share in your frustration, but that's been really her frame of mind being, you know, on the frustration end of it. Um, beyond that, she's extremely smart. She understands that it's a pandemic. She understands that people are sick, that people have died. She understands there's a bigger picture than being on a volleyball floor or going to a prom. But you're also talking about the psyche of a teenager with all these students that are frustrated. So I think, I think she's very frustrated that she doesn't think she's had a voice in this and that students aren't being represented with any of their own, you know, age people having any say in anything with it. I think another another factor in all of this is because the ISSA is trying to get all the sports in, the seasons are so condensed. So, I mean, you have volleyball basically starting and finishing in about a six-week span. So, I mean, if you take two weeks away at the beginning and two weeks near the end, I mean, it, it doesn't even leave much of a season. Whereas, you know, in a regular season, if it starts in mid-August and goes to early November, you know, maybe you can deal a lot better with, with missing two weeks uh, in there because you, you've got almost two other months left. So I think that that's a factor as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think so. I know the track and field season's already started. Uh, she was a state champion in junior high in the shot put. Um, she's being recruited by a few schools um, in track and field for her discus throwing mainly. But she didn't have a track and field season last spring. It was taken away, obviously. Um, we were in the thick of things there with COVID-19. But now she's playing volleyball, or we're supposed to be playing volleyball, but track practices have already started. So you're right, you've got this overlap. And, you know, I commend the IHSA for trying to do what they can. I mean, they're trying to appease everybody, and they're just stuffing everything in the way that it fits best. You're right. It's not ideal whatsoever. Um, I, I don't think there is any perfect solution to this overlapping of the seasons idea at all. So, as, as parents, what what had you and your life, wife learned from this experience? I mean, if you had to go back and do over, would you would you <laughs> same things? Would you do something different? Would you would you let it go? Would you be more forceful? What what do you think? Well, first off, with 
conversations with the health department and what happened in the circuit courtroom on the two occasions we were in there, everything was cordial. And I think that's where you've got to start. Um, everybody at the health department, everybody in that courtroom, uh, we're, we're neighbors in Logan County over here. That's the way I approached it is that these are all good people trying to pull the rope for a common result. We're all hoping that we can all, you know, move in a positive direction. But Fred, there's a lot that I've learned as a parent and, you know, I've, I've wanted to write it down. I mean, whether that's legal ideas for other parents or, you know, whether it's just my own feelings as we've, we've done what we've done. First off, I think on the legal front, if, if any of my children are placed into a quarantine and it's a just quarantine, then I'm all for it. Uh, my 15-year-old daughter, Corey, was placed in a 14-day quarantine because one of her special ed teachers had COVID-19, a positive test. I completely agreed with it. I stayed home with her for 14 days. I missed like seven or eight days of school. I totally agree with it. But on the flip side, if you think your child has been unjustly placed in quarantine or you don't think they've been defined as a close contact, the very first thing we learned, and this is something I had no idea about, when a minor is placed in quarantine by the health department, the parents have to be notified and the parents have to consent to that quarantine. Hmm. If the parent doesn't consent, then the health department has to get a court order to place your minor child in quarantine. And if they try to go that route, you will get your day in a courtroom and counsel's provided to you at no cost. Now, what we realized happened over here, and this is the part maybe I'm most frustrated about and really, you know, just a touch angry about, the health department did call us when my daughter Cassidy was placed in the quarantine. The phone call was to get our consent. We didn't know that. They never went through any of that with us. They just asked for her name, her address, and asked if it was okay for them to send the paperwork to us via mail. And our answer was yes. That paperwork showed that we verbally consented to her quarantine order, and we didn't. We absolutely did not. Um, it would have made no logical sense for us to have consented at the very same time we had initiated a legal suit against the health department. Right. But nonetheless, our paperwork said that we consented. So my first piece of advice for a parent, if you truly believe that your son or daughter has been unjustly quarantined or maybe misidentified as being somebody who's supposed to be in quarantine, when you get that phone call from the health department, just state, I do not consent to this quarantine. And then they have 48 hours to get a court order and you're going to get your day in court. I don't think anybody understands that. And, you know, showing that I verbally consented to something was just ridiculous. And yeah, I, I could say they fabricated it or they just flat made it up and put it on the form. I think they do that maybe to avoid having to go to court when somebody is going to challenge it. Because I don't think many people, most people do not know that. So that was really the one big thing on the law that I learned. And that'd be my biggest piece of advice legally is you don't have to consent. And then you can kind of go through the legal channels on, on the back end of that no consent. 
Well, like you say, it's 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 frustrating. It's disappointing, and um, hopefully she gets through this and then uh, sails through track season. And by the time a new school year starts, things are back to somewhat closer to to a normal situation. I don't know. Yeah, she loves throwing the discus. Um, my daughter Cassidy, she's uh, she spent a lot of time in the Muhammad Seymour discus rings. Every time we come back to um, visit family, we um, quite often will go out to the the high school discus ring shot put. She's um, she's been out there with Hunter Hendershot once or twice. You know, every time I go out there, I'm thinking, you know, that's the same discus ring that Dirk Hanlon threw out of. You know, who's a buddy of mine. But yeah, she has aspirations of being a state champion in the discus, which is a legitimate aspiration for her. And she wants to get this volleyball season going, you know, whether it be another five games or six games. But she is a junior. Hopefully things normalize a bit. She can she can get through her sports seasons, her senior year. Maybe it goes back to looking somewhat normal. Well, I sure hope so. Uh, Gail, I appreciate your time today. Uh, anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Just to say hi to everybody back in Muhammad. You, you bringing up, you know, the football stuff. That's a blast from the past. Um, <laughs> I always really enjoyed everything about growing up in Muhammad. I really did. I realize now after teaching in a different community, which is also a very solid community for 24 years, I realize how lucky we were to have grown up in Muhammad and to have went to Muhammad Seymour schools. You know, when I talk to people like Dirk or Jeff or, you know, my wife's a graduate of Muhammad Seymour as well, same class. Um, I think we all owe a huge or debt of gratitude to the teachers we had at Muhammad for shaping us into the way that, that we became. It was such a great experience growing up there. I, you know, you bring up the football stuff that's great. You know, it brings me thinking about Coach Dutton. I did have a contact with um, baseball coach Mike Scholes here a couple weeks ago. So I think a lot of a lot of what we learned at Muhammad has shaped us to this very day, as it does all people who grow up in small communities. But anyways, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, and I think, too, that's easier to see looking back than, than as you're going through. I don't think at the time you realize uh, just the impact that the, the teachers and the people that surround you are having. But it's a lot easier 15, 20, 25 years later to look back and, and say, wow, we really were fortunate. Absolutely. No question about it. All right, Gail. Thanks again for your time. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Mr. Croner. Have a good day today. You too.